1: Yeah. So long term, our vision is to unleash the potential of livable space. So anything that is livable space, we want to improve how it's used. Livable space is kind of this fundamental thing to humanity. It's been a thousands year journey to make it work for us in a better way. And so that's fundamental to Casa. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform.
0: This is the Vacation Rental Mastermind Series, the Operators Edition. In early 2020, I did the same series featuring the service providers in the vacation rental space. Now, after the year that we just had in 2020, I think it's time that we showcase those who have been really leading the charge and having the boots on the ground during this crazy pandemic. In this short series, we're going to focus on what makes a sustainable and profitable vacation rental management company and why it's so key to learn these tools, tactics, and of course, structures that make these companies the way they are. So sit back, grab your pen and paper, drink your coffee, and enjoy the Vacation Rental Mastermind Series, Operator's Edition. all right everybody welcome back to slick talk the hospitality podcast i'm your host will slickers i'm doing another vacation rental mastermind series episode here with my friend roman from casa living based out in texas i'm pretty sure if i'm not mistaken
1: you know at this point we're, we're based in the cloud technically our headquarters are in san francisco california uh, uh, but i'm i'm living i'm living in austin texas in a casa unit more or less full time. So uh, t- pick your place. Uh, we 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 operate nationally.
0: I say you guys uh, definitely adapted to that flexibility uh, thing that we've all been focusing on with during COVID. Uh, the flexible living, flexible working, and now, like you said, in the cloud. I love it.
1: That's right. I think we are in many ways op- 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 we offer centralized operations for hospitality to deliver distributed hospitality. And so a lot of the things that we do are distributed. Our team is distributed across the nation. Our technology uses distributed uh, tech stack through serverless technology on AWS. And uh, I personally am traveling and living the flexible uh, lifestyle that we think is uh, going to be more and more the future. So it's, it's, it's important to walk the walk in a lot of ways across the company. If, uh, that's, the, that's the vision you're building towards.
0: I love that. I love that. That's so awesome. Well, uh, let's let's dive into your, your background. I've, I've been getting to know you guys throughout the last couple of weeks. I uh, do want to say thank you, of course, for being on the show and for being a part of the series. But I'm kind of curious to know your origin, like what got you started? I know before, our little, uh, before I hit the recording uh, button, you told me about a multifamily, a very small multifamily unit that you and your dad were operating. So I'm kind of curious to hear how you got in and, and what got you to this point that you are today.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Will. so originally, I'm from Ukraine. I'll, I'll take you all the way back. I was born in the Soviet Union. And in many ways, travel started uh, my my family's life and my my life. Uh, we moved to the US when I was a little under two years old. And then ironically, I didn't travel much uh, growing up or I, I at least wasn't on a plane until I was 18. Uh, and the reason was we came with the proverbial uh, few thousand bucks uh, and my family and my parents were uh, trying to uh, make it in, in the United States. So I always had this urge and excitement about exploring the world. And I saw hotels as uh, a way to potentially do that. I remember when I was in uh, high school, I think as a, as a freshman, I had, uh, I, I had this imagination of what it'd be like to stay in a Marriott in another city, but didn't have access to it. And so a friend and I went up to Boston. I was uh, growing up in a suburb of uh, Boston, north of the city. And we we took the train up to Boston and went to uh, the, the, the the Marriott, asked the front desk for a tour of the hotel. And they kind of said, uh, no. Um, we, then, I, then, we, then we implied that we might be renting the entire hotel out for a future uh, a birthday party. And so the general manager came out, they showed us the rooms and, you know, the back of the house. And that was probably the initial uh, source of my excitement about the hotel industry and about what it could mean for my personal life and over time, what it could mean for for others as it, as it serves as a way to open up uh, the world, reduce barriers uh, of communication and uh, allow people to uh, feel uh, fuel, fuel their, their their curiosity for exploration and learning about the way the world works. So that's probably the original source. For Casa itself, uh, there's kind of two-pronged story. I, I, I studied uh, computer science and real estate, went into the real estate world as an investor at, a, at, at two different private equity firms, one in Chicago called Walton Street Capital. Uh, they deployed billions of dollars into hotels and apartments and uh, shopping malls all across uh, different asset classes and then joined a global investor called KKR in New York. And in both places I really gravitated towards the complexity and excitement of hotel investing. So we were buying uh either hotel properties or uh hotel operating companies uh, a, a, across, the, across the nation. In some cases we're converting office buildings to hotels and others we're building ground up. So a very a very dynamic and varied set of of uh, uh, things that we were doing in the hotel industry. Um, and I got extremely excited by, by being part of an industry that I loved, that I thought was good for, for the world. And at the same time, while living in New York uh, and working for KKR, I was starting to increasingly travel by way of Airbnb. Uh, mm-hmm. And I also hosted uh, an Airbnb in my apartment in New York City. And I started experiencing this cognitive dissonance of we're deploying billions of dollars into uh, in, 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 into hotels, uh, and at the same time I saw that I was personally using a different form of travel, and so were many many other people, sometimes unexpected people, business travelers and families uh, who were uh, who would have otherwise maybe stayed at a. Uh, at a downtown hotel, and instead we're staying at the at an Airbnb because they're traveling for 10 days, had their children or had colleagues with them, and so that was the cognitive dissonance that one got me excited that maybe there's a different future for the hotel industry that the existing incumbents were not grasping at, and perhaps by being uh, by by experiencing that both as a host and as a traveler and understanding deeply the needs of the traveler, but also how the existing incumbent industry worked perhaps I could help to, uh, to innovate in, 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 that, in the industry. Um, and so that led to a number of things, including uh, my father and myself um, uh, working on a project together near my hometown where we operated a small uh, apartment building with three units uh, in, a, in a nearby town as a short-term rental um, and another one in, in Chicago. And those were kind of the building blocks for what eventually became uh, Casa.
0: And how, so how did you even hear about Airbnb when you're doing all this? Was it something that was kind of brought up through your investment company that you were working for? Uh, people were hearing about Airbnb travel or what, what was like the initial um, int- introduction for that?
1: So I heard about Airbnb, I believe in about 2010, uh, late 2010, possibly early 2011. I was working at Walton Street Capital in Chicago. We were in, as I mentioned, investing in hotels, but I think I heard about Airbnb, uh, from, from reading online, uh, blogs about technology. I've always had an excitement about the power that technology can bring to the world in terms of its progressing, uh, humanity forward. And. Uh, and, and so I, I think I saw that Airbnb raised money from Ashton Kutcher or something or, 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 or something to that effect. And I started looking into it because it was in real estate. Uh, I love travel. We were investing in hotels, and so it seemed like something I should uh, I should know about. And immediately the idea caught my imagination so much so that though I loved my job at Walton Street Capital uh, and was really fueled by what we're doing, I. I applied for a job at Airbnb by writing a letter to Brian Chesky uh, and sending it via, via snail mail. And I read back, I looked back on that, I saved the letter down. I looked back at that cover letter. It, it was I, no surprise that Brian didn't respond. Um, it, was not, it was not the best, it was, not the best uh, put, but it was just a very long and comprehensive letter that I w- can't imagine he would have had any time for. Um, but, but it showed that the, the concept of Airbnb immediately caught my attention and imagination and probably was foundational to getting excited about the industry as a whole.
0: Now tell us about the structure of the company. I know you founded it, but do you have any partners in this situation or just kind of tell us the, even the dynamic on your team? I'm really curious to see how this was all built.
1: Yeah, so I, I started the company about four years ago. We have uh, a, a team now and, uh, and I started it while well at Stanford Business School. Um, we have grown the team to about 140 people and Ruben leads our real estate team. Uh, we also have uh, a, few, uh, a few team members across the board who lead different departments like Craig Minoff, who leads our operations and product teams uh, and um, uh, Mike Millis who leads strategic finance. Uh, and, 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 a, and and a number of other folks who are making the uh, company what it is. Um, Craig is is, a, is the person that I've known the longest at mm-hmm. the company. So Craig and I lived together in New York City. And the first Airbnb, first first unit that I've ever Airbnb'd was an apartment that he and I shared. Uh, and I remember we first Airbnb'd it on a trip uh, to. Uh, on a trip that we both took and we we thought that perhaps by Airbnb it we could help make the, the, the finances of that trip work out and that was he and I have known each other for a long time and 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 part of the uh, excitement for building Casa came from our joint uh, collaborations over the years
0: oh, that's awesome so what is the key focus um, for you guys at COS- at Casa what? What is the business, um, not, I guess, model, because we don't all, we all need to go into the model, of so to say, but what's the vision? I see you guys are going for, um, you know, the multifamily aspect. It's very hybrid, in my opinion, just very hotel-like experience and standards and brands, but very uh, spread out, kind of like that Airbnb vacation rental feel. Um, so kind of explain what your your guys' vision is with CASA.
1: Yeah, so long term, our vision is to unleash the potential of livable space. So anything that is livable space, we want to improve how it's used livable space is kind of this fundamental thing to humanity. It's been a thousands year journey to make it work for us in a better way. And so that's fundamental to CASA over a 100 plus year journey of, of what we're building. And of course, uh that could that could express itself in a number of ways including building a flexible living brand as we're doing to start it could express itself in the software we're developing to operate uh hotel uh like inventory at much higher margins than was typically possible for we run at 60 to 70% GOP margin uh, versus a typical hotel property of 20 to 40% uh, GOP mm-hmm. margin or it could express itself in in crazy ways we haven't uh, yet uh, even imagined, and that's, some, that's very exciting. But the near and present is building a global, flexible, uh, living brand. And that brand stands for great uh, prices for, for guests across, the, across the, all of our locations. The, uh, the ubiquity of location, so we currently operate in 35 cities. We imagine a world where CASA is available wherever you travel. Uh and reliable stays, trustworthy and reliable stays, meaning uh easy arrival experience, uh great communication, not just reactive communication, but also proactive communication that builds trust with guests and makes them feel personalized, clean rooms, reliably clean rooms, quiet, restful nights, sleep, uh, great Wi Fi. So the 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 we we, we are working to deliver that level of trust across every location that we're in while also offering uh, great places and, uh, and, and attractive prices. We typically partner with apartment buildings that have some amount of vacancy. And our value proposition is very simple to apartment buildings. We deliver more income to them uh, with and, and do all the work to, to do so. We charge a fee in exchange for doing it. But for them, the, there is income where there otherwise might have been vacancy uh, or uh, or or risk, um, and so that that's what we deliver to apartment buildings, and we do that by by furnishing empty units and selling them for any number of nights. We typically have a two-night minimum stay in most locations, although we work with the owner to decide what is right. And then it could be as long as a few weeks, a few months, or or longer than that. We also partner with small hotels that are typically sub 100 rooms. And especially amid COVID, perhaps are struggling either on the revenue side or on the uh, expense side. And so many hotel owners who otherwise couldn't make the economics work of opening their hotels have come to us seeing that we have low fixed costs and high GOP margins. So 70, uh, about 70 percent GOP margins versus what they were running previously, which is probably half that. And seeing that we are running a REVPAR index of over 2x. This last month, it was 2.3x across the cities that we're in uh, on REVPAR. And seeing that the value to them could mean higher top line, as well as improved bottom line and lower risk because we have less in fixed costs. And so that allows them to revive their hotels today and in the future generate more income in those properties uh, down the line. So those are the two property types. The good news is the underlying technology system that powers us is the same for both. Um, and, and the reason for that is what we're doing is we're centralizing most hotel systems and then using those systems to deliver distributed hospitality with fewer people on site delivering the actual operations uh, that are required to run the, run the property.
0: That's what I was just about to ask was, how are you getting those margins? How are you getting that fixed cost down? How are you know, like, what are you doing on the sense of operations or, you know, in order, because that's as a hotelier myself, like that was the biggest thing is labor and, and centralization of all these certain softwares and processes. Like the front desk has four different softwares in order to check somebody in uh, for some of these boutique properties. So um, that was like my underlining question. Um, Do do you guys see the um, perks and benefit? This is something I've been preaching on for a long time too. So I'm really excited to hear your opinion Um, is do you see the benefit of streamlining everything into one centralized uh, location for the front desk or the operations team to then allow them to have more free time in order to better uh, provide experience for the guests, such as be available for concierge type services, just being a person that can recommend locations for restaurants or, or other types of activities, You know, granted we're in COVID. Um, so do you see that type of uh, benefit coming or is it really what what's happening with all this extra free, uh, I guess, time for the operations um, side of things?
1: Yeah, and the way we—that's uh, a great question. The first step for us is to handle the lowest level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs extremely well. So we want to make sure that whenever a guest stays with us, they have an easy check-in, that they walk into a sparkling clean room, uh, that their Wi-Fi is reliable and extremely fast, the room is quiet, dark. The mattress is comfortable. Uh, the you know hot water works and electricity. All, the, yeah. all these things, all these things work. If you're missing on the lowest level of Maswell hierarchy of needs, it doesn't matter. Uh, you, you can perhaps recover from from those situations, but mm-hmm. it is much harder for you to focus on making the guests feel cared for and being personalized. Uh, and it matters less. So step one, and and that's where our initial technology efforts and operational efforts and hospitality efforts have been directed, is is to uh, is, is to deliver on, on that promise. And we have been delivering it in a way uh, that is centralized, as I mentioned, and mostly off site. Uh, we kind of, we call our, our, our brand of hospitality, hospitality that is felt but not seen because you might not see the front desk person uh, because the person is uh is centralized, but you will, we are there if you need us. You text us, we respond very quickly. We we deliver an easy check-in without your having to go to the front desk. You have a step-by-step picture and text instructions that get you to the door uh, or a video or 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 otherwise and the door has a smart lock with a unique code for you, as I'm sure many of your uh listeners have at their at their properties. And that uh that is our approach to basically every department that a hotel had. The benefit of what we were, of, of the background that, that I, 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 I had previous to CASA is we went through hotel PLs and uh, line by line and saw what every department was doing, what systems they were using. We also looked at purchasing uh, hotel software and saw how, um, how anachronistic some of it was uh, in terms of how it was built and how complicated the interplay of the various systems that were required to operate a hotel were. And so that yeah. background helped us to prioritize what we built and how we build it, and then actually build the technology that makes the centralization possible. But your question was about, uh, about the free time that we now have to be able to deliver uh, other things to guests. And that's that's step two. So step one was making sure that in an efficient way, we were uh, we were succeeding at meeting the lowest level of needs for guests and doing so uh, 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 reliably. Uh, And the, the 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 next step is taking that extra time and being able to deliver magical moments or personalized care and it's knowing that a guest is staying for a special occasion or having our housekeepers who all take photos before and after and write down notes that we see centrally and then are able to attach to a guest profile, seeing that they bought a certain type of tea or coffee uh, and making uh, making for a very uh, for a guest who stayed with us many times, making their next day extra special by remembering uh, that preference uh, or, um, or or something else that, Uh, Shows guests that we care about them and that we're using that newfound efficiency in a way to uh, to to engender hopefully a a genuine sense of care, uh, a feeling of welcomeness uh, and accommodation from our guests.
0: Yeah. So the uh, the phrase of pleasantly unexpected, in in a lot of sense, you know, the or pleasant, yeah, pleasantly uh, surprised or unexpected, which was one that uh, I was kind of taught, like being aware attention to detail, you know, these types of things, like the basics, like step one that you listed, it's pretty hard to do because it takes a lot of, uh, I guess, repetitive steps and continue to like repeat yourself and just that continue uh, consistency. Um, But I think um, once you get past that step and you've got that down, um, you got the basics honed in, that's when you get to really expand on step two is what you were talking about. Um, So I want to go ahead.
1: I was, and I, we, we at CASA, everyone who joins uh, CASA gets the book Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. Uh, I, I think I've read the book multiple times and everyone at CASA uh, gets a copy. It's uh, one of the best uh, books on how to deliver hospitality. Uh, and Danny Meyer, of course, is uh, quite inspirational in how he's yeah. built multiple hospitality uh, brands and businesses. Uh, but one thing he talks about is turning over rocks. Uh, nice. To 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 to, to and, and by turning over rocks, you can find uh, uh, signals on how to meet how to how to help your guests. Uh, so turning over rocks could be. Um, you know, figuring out what their preference of tea, a guest preference of tea is or uh, a special a reason that they're staying with you and then using that information to deliver a more special experience is fundamental uh, over the long run to, uh, to being a hospitality company. Not only that gets loyal guests, but that feels, uh, feels like a great company to be at as a team member uh, yeah. who, who craves for those special moments when guests find delight in the accommodations we create.
0: Yeah, I think what you just described really plays into sustainability and profitability in the long run for, for companies in our space. Um, I think if you hone in not only the guest experience, but the team experience like you're discussing, um, that's where that's where it's, a, it's it becomes a beast and it's not one to mess with because it will be unstoppable uh, with those two together specifically. Um, but I wanted to ask because we've talked about... I think um, you can probably see and understand, especially being on the hotel world and, and, of course, the vacation rental world, um, that hotels are very much really, really good at standardizing their, their procedures and their automation of, or not automation, but their standards and their, their brands and consistency of everything. Like, I know if I stay in a courtyard in Seattle and I go to... Tennessee, I'm going to say at a courtyard that they're going to be pretty dang similar um, uh, when it comes to brand consistency and standardization. Um, Do you see this impact on the guest experience and overall with the short-term rental type hybrid market that you guys are in uh, when it comes to standardization from across your properties that I stay at Casa in Washington, that when I go to Chicago and I stay at a Casa there, I feel very consistent and standardized, but also a little bit of that personal aspect that you guys are discussing.
1: Yeah. And I think during covid more than ever, guests are craving some heuristic that signifies trust uh, for the stay. And anything that reduces their feeling of trust is amplified in a moment when people are concerned about cleanliness and hygiene and mm-hmm. are already reticent to make that trip happen. Uh, so. Things that increase trust are the fact that we are uh, a brand, the fact that we answer your questions quickly and 24/7. Um, hopefully, your initial, uh, your first impression in the check-in is a is a strong one. You walk into a sparkling, uh, clean room. We're constantly looking and working to improve the num- the heuristics that deliver trust. And one one way you can is to know that the brand is very similar across uh, across the across the country. You know what you're going to get and you can trust it. You know what you're going to get both in terms of the physical product as well as in terms of the uh, experience. At the same time, I think you, you can you can have very similar features like uh, a really comfortable bed wherever you are or really fast internet and a very complete kitchen. Um, but you can still put in touches that are pro- represent probably 10 to 20% of the room that Uh, make the location feel more uh, reflective of the local environment and uh, make it feel uh, less banal depending on the location that you're that that you're in like you know you you, a feeling of like discovery both in terms of the place you're staying as well as the place you're 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 visiting Um, there's something lost in terms of that feeling of discovery when you're staying at a courtyard in a in in and every courtyard is exactly cookie cookie cutter the same. So it's a it's a fine balance between delivering trust and the heuristic that you know what you'll get um, and, in terms of features and quality, but also delivering a sense of discovery wherever you're traveling. And I think we can amplify the sense of discovery and the feeling of uh, being cared for and personalization through the way we communicate and the way that we uh, the, the way that we deliver on the proactive hospitality that we talked about in the past. So it's it's a bit of a balance, but I think there's a huge advantage to being able to to deliver trust by way of a uh, uh, reliable quality across locations that we're operating in. That's
0: beautifully said. I couldn't agree more. Um, what I guess we, we we're talking about this balance. What have been I guess the main thing that you and your team have been trying to to see that is in order to streamline and be effective like this. What, what are the key things that you guys are focusing on there on the operations uh, for streamlining?
1: Yeah, and so I, it's a it's a it's a great question. we it's a constant effort to uh, to to improve our operations by way of our processes, but also by way of our technology. And it's a relatively unique thing for a hospitality company to be both. Uh, uh, focused on the technology side as well as the operations yeah. side. And because that's unique, I, we, we, we try to make it an a, a advantage for us. So our technology team is deeply embedded with our operations team. We are, our engineers uh, stay in casas constantly. They all have gone through guest experience training, our, our customer service training, and do shadow shifts periodically. Mm-hmm. You, it wouldn't be a surprise to see an engineer shadowing a housekeeper and seeing how they go through the motions of uh of delivering a sparkling clean unit. And so uh that that uh connectivity we know is unique and so we try to harness it and make its impact greater. And similarly on the operation side, our our operations team knows our 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 technology team deeply and they uh when you know when you're tipi- when you're when you're at a Marriott front desk and you're frustrated that there are seven systems you feel powerless and helpless about it, but at CASA, that is something you can directly have impact on by sharing feedback with our team. And so that, that is the reason I focus on that is because that is a foundational uh, layer that makes us able to deliver high margin hospitality in a centralized way It allows us to uh, deliver the high rep par index uh, that we've been delivering. Within the technology and operations, we're focused on a few different, uh, a few different parts of the guest journey. Uh, so uh, one is arrival, uh, a seamless check-in is, is the first physical impression that guests have about the property they're in. And it's non-trivial when you operate in such a diverse set of properties as we do to deliver really well uh, across the board. And we think really well means uh, you get from your car or Uber to your door in under five minutes and without any questions uh, to CASA. Uh, and we do that by uh, we, we've built a, a system that allows for uh, tree-based step-by-step instructions that are uh, complemented with photos and text, or videos, or a PDF that a guest uh, who feels more comfortable printing, or maybe is international, can can print out. Uh, that get them to their door. The door code is a door code that uh, is unique to their stay uh, and uh, easy to remember that unlocks the, the door and gets them into their room. So often that step-by-step set of instructions allows them to get to their room really quickly. The, the tricky thing often is um, buildings that have different, uh, that are set up in different ways, that have different uh, front door access technologies versus uh, at, the, at the unit level access technologies Making sure the reliability of the system is high, um, as well as making sure that we're constantly able to iterate at the unit level to make any uh, make the steps clearer and better. So after everyone's check-in, there we know when the lock is unlocked and we might text them and ask them, how is your check-in?" Uh, we'll see if the check-in is low, check-in score was low, we'll instantly know and be able to one, recover the stay and uh, emphasize to the guests how much we care about their experience and uh, see what we can do to make their rest of their stay uh, an improvement. And two, we can go back and see which part of the journey they had an issue in and then adjust it at the, the, uh, adjust that journey so the next guest will have a better experience. And similarly for cleanliness, we ask right after check-in, how clean was the room? We deliver that feedback to the housekeeper so that they feel a sense of ownership and excitement when the room was very clean, and when the room was not as 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 uh, done as well, we uh, we are uh, we, we 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 make sure we deliver to the housekeeper so they can see how they can improve in the future. And we also uh, on our end are able to track that portfolio wide housekeeping and cleaning is the second really large focus for us um, as a as a and and on that on that uh, focus our goal is to make sure that no matter what. A location we're in or what housekeeping team we're working with, we can easily track how well the cleanings go and increase the chances that cleanings are done efficiently and in a high quality way. Things that we do are around scheduling cleaners uh, efficiently, around late checkouts and early check-ins, um, around lar- different types of rooms, so large rooms, small rooms, uh, making sure that there's uh, Uh, ability to see how long cleans take. So when a cleaner uses their code to unlock the door, the clean starts, they go through a checklist on their phones that asks them to take a before and after photo. uh, And we're able to then centrally see what the photos look like. uh, And also check after the guest gives us feedback against those photos and see what we might have missed. And then when the clean is over, we know the start time, the end time, we can see how long that clean uh, took. And then finally, delivering feedback to that housekeeper helps them to feel that, as I mentioned, sense of care and empowerment about the, about the, about the cleaning. Uh, Housekeepers are such crucial parts of our, what we do. And we want them to feel uh, a sense of ownership over, over the, over the final product. And often in hotels or in short term rentals, uh, the, the housekeeper doesn't know what if the, if the, if the guests enjoy this stay, they have a deep disconnect with actually what happens after they're there and it feels like a mechanical set of actions that they're doing. And our hope is to, uh, through a combination of operations and technology to help them feel more uh, ownership over that, uh, that work that they're doing that's so crucial to the hospitality that we're delivering. So those are a few things. Communication is another uh, so that we have no front desk at most properties, we can have a front desk, but even when we have a front desk at a property the functions a little bit differently in the down times, uh, our, the, the, the thing that always frustrated me about a hotel is that a front desk person might be sitting there for 90% of their day uh, and, and there's no check-in and then there's this large amount of uh, people who queue up during the really busy times. That's not just frustrating from a P&L perspective. As a team member, having done the front desk work in the past. It's boring to sit there with less to, to, to do. So our, our, our front desk people, if they are on site, will then help answer questions globally across CASA. Uh, so if, if since most of our team is distributed and offsite, the front desk person who is on site can in the moments when there isn't a check-in at the property or a question can then respond to questions across the portfolio. And most of our team is offsite, as I mentioned, delivering hospitality that's felt and not seen. And they are focused on, uh, on, on being able to answer questions quickly and accurately without being at the property. And so we've built a set of tools to give them access to the questions that comprise 99 the 100 questions that comprise you know, 99.9% of the questions that, were, that are asked very efficiently and in a high quality way. And we're constantly improving that tooling. So those are three big areas. There's um, revenue management, we could go into depth on, we can go into depth on distribution and uh, go into depth on how we're starting the guest journey from when they're searching to discover a new place. But those are three operational focus areas, communications, cleanliness, and the arrival system that help us deliver hospitality uh, in a distributed way across the country.
0: I love that. You, you touched all the points that I love just talking about. And uh, I know we'll, pre- we'll probably have to do an episode two, uh, a part two of this episode um, in the future to, to dive into those. Cause there's such packed um, pieces of content and, and overall conversation. So I think that's really cool, uh, especially on the communication piece. And I think you're, you touched on a lot of stuff with housekeeping spot on, um, especially from the hotel point of view, you know, they, they, I, I, yeah, we can go into it. like, I cross-trained all my ho- housekeepers when I was a manager and just cross-trained them in guest service and, and, and how, like, to actually be a part of the, the experience for the overall operations. And I think this really makes more of an impact. You have less turnover, uh, in, in most cases in, 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 employment, because people are actually happy to show up. They're part of the, the process. They're part of the, the mission. So I think it's, Everything you hit on was just perfect. Um, and I, I think we're, as we're talking about housekeeping and cleaning standards and how that's a, a big point for you guys in your operations, um, COVID 19 obviously has impacted the world on a huge scale. Um, how has that impacted you guys, or maybe not impacted you in some ways for CASA and how you've been operating?
1: Yeah. And, you know, COVID, and we're still in COVID. So there's, uh, we're yeah. hearing. <laughs> We 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 are we're and it's unclear where, where in COVID where we're at. We are hearing news about the vaccine and the hope it's bringing, and obviously the uh, uh, the mutations, especially the South African mutation at the moment, though yeah. perhaps others are are ominous. And, and so we're hoping that uh, we're hoping that we're close to the end, but we're planning for the worst and hoping for the best in, in many cases. Yeah. If I if if I take you back to, to March, and I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, anyone who is who is operating hotels uh, or in the tr- is in the tra- was in the travel and is in the travel hospitality sector uh, can uh, can quickly remember where they were when they first uh, experienced uh, the or realized the intensity that might be uh, COVID 19. And and for us, uh, we started tracking uh, COVID probably in early February because some of our Uh, Some of our investors who were also investors in other uh, companies globally, including in China, were starting to hear really uh, scary data outside of uh, within China. And so we started looking at our cancellation rate and our bookings rate daily. We had a kind of a a war room set up uh, starting Mm -hmm. around early first or second week of February. And we're kind of surprised that there was no impact. Um, up to probably March 14th, we didn't see a noticeable impact in any kinds of activity, cancellations, bookings. And then around March 14th, some uh, right around when South by Southwest was canceled, the NBA canceled yeah. their season, we started seeing an enormous spike in cancellations and a drop in new bookings and so our occupancy went from you know normally being in the uh, low 70s or 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 high 70s uh, uh to start dropping to 60% to 50% to 40% to 35% we it ultimately settled at 35% but at that moment we weren't sure how long it would uh, continue to drop where the bottom was and we also didn't know how long covid would impact our, uh, our occupancy and rate. And it was an, an incredibly scary time since when our occupancy drops, our revenue, uh, drops. We had just raised the series A, uh, in December uh, 2019. I can, uh, promise you that COVID was not in any of the risks, uh, that we discussed, <laughs> uh, though we tried to be really, really comprehensive there. Um, and, and, but we were trying to raise additional capital, uh, for, from a, a debt provider and that debt provider, uh, to complement the Series A raise, that debt provider pulled the term sheet that we were basically at the final uh, yard line on. And the reason they pulled it is they ended up being one of the debt providers to stay Alfred. Uh, so uh-huh. in, retrospect, in retrospect, it was non-surprising that they pulled that from us, but it was very scary in the, in the moment. Um, and we also had to furlough uh, 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 about nine people on our team of 75 that were at the company at the time. And that was enormously... Uh, difficult thing to do. We had lower occupancy. We we didn't have as many people staying with CASA, uh, and uh, we furloughed rather than uh, laid off because we expected to bring those team members back, but it was an uncertainty. There was uncertainty behind that assumption, and we had taken great pains to bring along uh, people that were working extraordinarily hard for the team, and so that was uh, like any business that had to go through either uh, layoffs or furloughs, an enormously difficult thing for us to do. Um, w- looking back, uh, that, that was probably the lowest the point, March and early April. We, we embarked on a, lo- a number of different efforts in order to adjust our operations, one of which was on the marketing side uh, and on the positioning side, where we made sure CASA was really well positioned for Uh, extended stay travelers, folks who are traveling for two weeks, three weeks or more. We had a concerted effort reaching out to hospitals and traveling nurses, uh, essential workers, stranded university students and international uh, travelers who are looking for a a trustworthy, comfortable place to stay. And we saw our occupancy start rising pretty dramatically. So it went from 35% to 60% and then has now been in the 70s uh, through since basically May. Uh, and as a result, we were able to bring back the folks who were furloughed. Uh, it was faster than we expected. So uh, in a few weeks, rather than uh, up to two months, is what we what what we thought initially. And we were we were able to grow our unit count. So we had more than uh, we had about doubled our unit count since uh, pre-COVID. Increased our revenue by 100%. Expanded to six new cities from 29 to 35. And 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 have been outperforming. On revenue relative to hotels, if you have a hotel next to a casa, we were we we're doubling revpar. We're actually 2.3 xing revpar uh, in the in the last month, and so that has all so far the, the, that has been as a result of a number of adjustments. But I, I can't underplay the fact that we're still in COVID, so we're still extremely yeah. paranoid and vigilant, and the. Uh, the the intensity of March, which I'm sure was felt deeply by your audience, uh, was was real for us and a testament to our team to be able to adjust quickly in an uncertain time.
0: Yeah, no. March was a scary, scary month. I, think like you said, we can all remember it. Uh, I was, I got stuck in Iceland for 24 hours. I came home, I quarantined, and then I got called for the National Guard and had to leave my property management company uh, and and podcasts. I, I didn't post or do anything for a month. It was, it was quite, quite interesting to to see. Um, the overall just effect and and you get into a point where you're like, what are we going to do? And of course, like most, you guys probably experienced too, how are we going to pivot? What are we going to do to bring our staff back, to bring our, to bring our, uh, you know, owners, you know, um, that that given us this inventory how are we going to you know give uh, fulfill on our, our promises and, and agreements and all these other things like there's just so much to go into it so yeah I definitely remember but it sounds like you guys have learned a lot from this uh, when it comes to not only your operations but just on an internal aspect on how to to continue moving forward like you said hotels Um, I've not been performing very well compared to uh, the vacation rental market as a whole, especially in the United States, Um, not so much in Europe, but um, the overall kind of separation of no lobby, no community area, but still having that hospitality feel to it. Um, what, what, what have been the biggest learnings that you guys have seen with this? Is there anything in particular that you guys are going to apply continuing uh, on the other side of this one once COVID-19 is no longer um, at the top of everyone's uh, mind and, and thoughts or anything in particular you're thinking of?
1: Yeah, uh, and thank you for your service uh, on the National Guard. It uh, sounds yeah. like you had an intense time uh, as well. So um, yeah, it was a
0: great six months, but we're, we're good.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we're, st- we're still learning. So it is still COVID. There's still, uh, in, in some ways, we are, uh, we are reflecting on what has happened, but at the same time, still working really hard Uh, To make sure that we're well positioned both within COVID and uh, beyond COVID, I think one of the learnings is more of a a meta um, meta learning in some ways. It's that a hundred year events, which you know we'd argue COVID was is is an example of a hundred year flood, they happen more frequently than you you think, which uh, you know. They're just different. Different 100-year events happen, uh, and so it's important to be as prepared for them in terms of team readiness, uh, business model, and capital as possible. So build in resilience into an organization. For example, the 100-year recession in 2009 happened, you know, 10 years before, and then the dot-com bubble, which was an in- incredibly intense. Uh, economic shock to the United States uh, and, and globally uh, happened not long before then. And so each of these are 100-year events or, or longer, but they happened uh, happen in succession. And so building in that resilience uh, both and, 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 and what, what that resilience, how it manifests uh, in terms of team readiness, it's reminding the team uh, when they join uh, that these kinds of things can happen Uh, it's, it's, uh, being optimistic about what we're building, but realistic about what could happen and how we might respond. Um, on the capital side, it's making sure the company is, uh, not just well capitalized for the projects that the company has ahead, but also has a cushion of capital in case things go, don't go as planned for, uh, for a a long period of time. And, uh, don't go as planned could be self related, right? The projects aren't as successful that we're, the company is working on, or it could be external risk related and business model. There's a question in the industry around mass releases and, uh, and, and management agreements. And this broadly, it's abstract away, you know, lot, high leverage businesses have a lot less room for error. Than yeah. lower leverage businesses, um, and so the business model. The question they ask is, how much room is there for error in what you are doing? Um, and building in a, a building in a cushion, if that is possible, is really important because hundred year events happen more frequently than you think. So that's that's one. Yeah. That's that's one uh, learning. Um, another learning is really about the travel and hospitality industry's importance to the world. I think. What I've, uh, what I've, what I've uh, seen and, and personally experienced is uh, the importance of uh, travel and connection with other people to mental health. I think we've all had our own uh, ways to cope with the restrictions on seeing people and uh, exp- exploring and f- fueling our curiosity and zest for living. Um, uh, we, we've all had different ways of coping, but it's important. And we serve as, a, as an industry an important function of bringing people together uh, and showing them the vast expanses of what exists in uh, in humanity and in, and on Earth. And that might sound like high highfalutin, but it's it's I think real. And people people are missing it right now. And there there's there's a sense that uh, that need needs to come back. Um, and so that important that that kind of the, the reason that's a learning for us is because it, uh, it it increases our our excitement for the mission that we're we're building towards, um, and and amplifies to our team the importance of the everyday work that that we're doing to bring CASA to the world.
0: That's no, that was perfect. I I love that. I think you you hit a, a sentiment that's very true. Um, I don't think we because I, I quit my day job as a hotel manager December 27th, 2019, to go into podcasting and to obviously do stuff like this. But I was traveling, I was doing conferences. And uh, that was the big the big goal, the big picture, right? And then and then having that gone, and now we're all very tied to Zoom, very tied to um, all these other, uh, you know, platforms that, to, and if, and for communication and that community, um, that's very true. It's like, dang, I was looking forward to travel a lot more than I expected. And so I think we can just take even little stories of family reunions and birthdays and weddings, and even funerals, just like the impact of not being able to have that, that, uh, at our fingertips the way it used to. Um, totally. And, and yeah. for
1: me, I, I felt in 2020, it was the longest and shortest year of, <laughs> Of my life, longest because of so much was packed into it in terms of intense experiences, but shortest because I, I felt constantly a groundhog day, which I think a lot of people felt of like I, I just woke up this morning, uh, I'm now going to sleep again in the same place, <laughs> and this is going to happen for many, many, many days for a number of years, and then one day like we will. You know, one day we'll all uh, we'll pass on to the to the next, and um, I, that has been kind of like a uh, you know uh, th- that that I think has been experienced by a lot of people, um, and yeah. the, need, the need for connection, for travel, for something uh, for something to uh, more uh, I think has has ne- has probably never been greater than uh, when COVID uh, imposed restrictions that took some of those joys away.
0: Yeah, yeah. Perfect, I love it. Um, what what um, what kind of role do you guys see yourselves? Obviously, you've described a lot in in the episode, but what kind of role do you guys see yourselves playing in the in the long term future of short term rentals and the industry as a whole? Um, do you see more than just a, a travel brand? Do you see more coming from what you guys have created as a as a company in in general?
1: Yeah, so we we see a future where uh, where flexible living has no boundaries, and where travel is more easily accessible in a trustworthy way, more easily accessible because it's better priced, uh, it's in more locations, uh, and it's trustworthy wherever you wherever you, you go. And so, in that world, more people uh, can uh, more 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 people can explore can experience travel and hospitality more people are unbounded by uh by the place that they're uh that they have a permanent uh, residence in or a year-long lease in and can um can 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 can, can uh, live a lifestyle that for many is really exciting which allows them to be uh in many places uh, throughout a year um and so that we want to make sure that we are uh we are at the forefront of pushing the ability to do that forward, that flexible living brand, that flexible uh, lifestyle. And more broadly, for those for whom that lifestyle isn't the right one, we want to make sure that when they travel, wherever they go, they have a a trustworthy, attractively priced uh, place to stay. And the trick is wherever you go. So hotels are, uh, great hotels are in a lot of uh, CB, CBDs of cities or in some of the larger cities. But when you go off the beaten path, it's harder to find a trustworthy place to stay. And so that's where we see ourselves uh, leading, leading the charges, delivering that trustworthy hospitality at attractive prices I- anywhere you go, which includes places that are less traveled, but perhaps uh, partially less traveled because there are fewer options on how to get there or where to stay when when, when you're there. So those are, those are places we, we hope to lead the way on. Another way, another another area is regulation. I think cities that embrace flexible living as a form of housing will ultimately win in the future because yeah. they'll attract more residents, you know, more businesses. Uh, they'll generate more tax revenue, and I think there's a uh, an a, an opportunity across the flexible living industry to uh, to help educate uh, uh, and work with city leaders on the difference between short-term rentals, which are you know individual homes on, on Airbnb, which have a place too, and Professionally managed flexible living operations that are in uh, commercial zones and uh, help to provide a form of housing that's in demand, makes cities more vibrant, uh, but is low in quantity at the moment. And so I think that's an area we're excited to continue to to, to work on and welcome the opportunity to partner with others to share that message with uh, city officials and leaders
0: across the country. That's awesome. That's a, a, a pretty great feature if you don't if you don't uh, if you don't ask me. Um, so I appreciate for being on the show. Um, I just want to know where, where can the audience and, and others, you know, find you guys we've, we've talked a lot in this episode, we got a lot packed into it. Uh, this is obviously a great reason why I asked you guys to be on the, the vacation rental mastermind series, just because there's so much that you guys cover. And, and I think the, the role you're playing throughout the industry, especially in the United States is, is pretty key. And so where can people find more?
1: Yeah, so if you wanna stay with us uh, or if you wanna email uh, anyone on the team, including myself, Casa.com spelled with a K. We think everything with a K is is, is spelled with a K is better. So K-A-S-A.com. My email is Roman at Casa.com. We're in 35 cities across the nation. I just recently drove from San Francisco to Boston and stayed in Casas along the way nearly at every single stop. So we're uh, we're down the middle of the country, coast to coast and at every corner. So you can find us in uh, big and small cities and we hope to host you uh, next time you travel.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Obviously, I'm going to tag everything in the show notes below. So all of you Slick Talkers that are listening, go ahead, and check it out. And we will see you guys next week.
1: Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.